This episode's brought to you by SeatGeek. Again, what's up? It's World Hockey Report with Cody and Adam. I'll start this one off. I don't even know who Stephen A. Smith, or whatever that guy's name is, but hey, I mean, he's licking some dust right now, the boys. Little climb the charts. Good kid, Adam, with me as always. What's up, buddy? Not much, man. I think the the American listeners would definitely know who Stephen A. Smith is. He's like the Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith back in the day. They're not together anymore, but they're like the hot take artists in the states. Yeah, whatever. Big names, small names, doesn't really matter. They aren't talking hockey like the boys from World Hockey Report. Uh, what's up? How's it going? Another good weekend of hockey. Oh my goodness, a lot to get to. First take, I mean, let's let's talk about that Crosby goal because oh, we're talking plays of the week, plays of the month, plays of the year. Yeah, see you later, Strom. How's that ice taste? Yeah, it's definitely up there. I mean, I don't think he really gives a shit about the points anymore. Just, yeah, I'll, you know, win us games when I have to. But that was his first two goals of the season in that Oilers game. And then, of course, scored two that game, won the next night, and then 9-1 win against the Flames. Yikes. And then two against the the Knucks on Saturday night. So, you know, he's hot. And just that little, that heel-to-heel turn that he did at the start, you know, most people who just like casual hockey fan wouldn't notice that. But from guys who played that heel-to-heel Mohawk turn, it's called, it's pretty impressive to start that off. What a joke is Edmonton media, though. Like, give me a break. We just went from two weeks ago, this team was ready to jump ship Fire everybody in the organization, trade Talbot, trade Dreisaitl, to now all of a sudden they're first in the Pacific, and they're like, we need to cut these people. We should probably, if we would have brought in Tavares, we would have been a Stanley Cup championship team. Talbot may win the Vezina this season. We've got the best backup goaltender in the NHL. Like, give me a break. These guys are unbelievable. Like, the flip-flop, it, it's nuts. It's like, bring you back to the office. It's Michael Scott with his vasectomies. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. That's exactly what Oilers media is. They're all over the place. Just to interrupt you here, uh, Rook Charche, first NHL goal. Shout out Saskatoon. You're exactly right. And I think we talked about this a week ago or whatever, just your team's not as good as you think they are. And your team's also is not as bad as you think they are because some teams start at the season super hot, like Montreal's what, six, two and two or something like that. And then I think even even Calgary's not as bad as they're playing right now. So with the Oilers, it's crazy. I mean, you start, you get a couple extra saves a game, and then people not named Connor McDavid start to chip in. I think eight of the last nine goals, uh, five on five, he hasn't been out for. So there you go. They start doing that. They scratch your boy, Yessie. Check out the blog, worldhockeyreport.com. But yeah, I think just you, you shouldn't really read into too much until the end of the month at least yeah edmonton media take note please and thank you uh another thing this one pissed me off throughout the week and you know what the more i just sat and stewed about it the more i got frustrated and i get it you know what he is aging but jay bowmeister when his iron iron man streak gets scratched or you know cut off by a healthy scratch oh that's a tough one you know what i i just don't like it and in general since well i think he was the top NHLer with the Ironman streak and have that taken away by healthy scratch. I mean, let's not go into the Congliano suspension, which was a garbage call, but a healthy scratch. 
low blow. It happened a couple of years ago to Corey Sarich also. Really? Yeah, he was healthy scratched after like 400 and some. And then, of course, last year, I believe it was with, with Cogliano and that very questionable suspension he got ruined his of like 700 and some games. So that's that's pretty disappointing, I guess. Junk call. Uh, one of the things I, I like that you pointed out on Twitter, you are kind of our Twitter guru, but, uh, you know, the, it's the, the Bob Cole victory lap, you know, farewell to or whatever you want to call it. But did you see that his last game in Ottawa? I thought that was pretty cool how all the players uh, went and saluted him because he's been doing that for like 50 years. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Can you imagine 50 years? How many different generations of NHL? Like how many crazy games? I guess he called like the 72 Summit Series and stuff. Just the amount of players he's seen and like the way the NHL's changed, incredible. Man, yeah, it's like that's that's your first memories. I think my first like mem- uh, memorable goal call is probably that that '06 Cup in overtime when the Oilers were shorthanded and Pisani. Uh, there's a turnover at the blue line. Pisani went in and he scored and. That's like my first actual memory where I was super excited and, and he just made it all much better. And then I think a modern day memory of, of me with Bob Cole is his uh the Bruins and Sens a couple a couple years ago when Phaneuf shot uh shot for the points and scored and you just heard his, his East Coast accent there and I'll tweet out the video, but yeah, it's that's probably my favorite one. Thinking back, like I'm trying to think of like, you know, what were the memorable goal calls? that I remember one I definitely remember 2002 like really aging myself here that that Sweden Belarus game where buddy just like just fired it from his own zone off the dome of Tommy Salo trickles in definitely remember watching that I don't remember the call on that one then there was also a Matt Sundin OT thriller where he sniped on Patrick Laleem guarantee you that was Bob Cole too but I say that was probably some of my uh, biggest like memories or first memories of like you know memorable goals but the most disappointing thing is like i can't really can't even put it into words how bad of a move this was last year they axed him from the playoffs like they just yeah they they like sports centers didn't let him do any playoff series i mean he's one of the he's the best there ever was in this and i think another call we miss it's it's the joe sackick one where he's it's gonna be a break He's like, Joe, second. Like that one, that's kind of the classic hockey one. Mario. Yeah, all that stuff. Uh, Cole Lynn's on the show, by the way, today. We forgot to mention that. Um, Vancouver Canucks, 33rd overall pick. Former Cabela's Raiders, just going to throw that out there. Not a big deal. Fitting that uh, that Bob Cole called the, the Canucks game yesterday and was on After Hours, and he hates talking about himself. I did not see that. I did not stay up that late. Why? Because some of us have to work on Sundays, unfortunately. Um, didn't Pittsburgh walk all over Vancouver there last night? Well, it was two nothing, and then the Canucks just forgot how to play defense, like cover guy backdoor, and I think the last three goals were Malkin, Malkin, Crosby. So, hate when that happens. Exactly. Uh, so on a darker note, not a darker note, but John Tortorella, he he had a famous John Tortorella quote, I guess. Torts, you know, he's he's outspoken. I think he's good for the league, but his quote, this is from from the score. He goes, I'm not joking about it. It's really frustrating to me. On conversations on the ice amongst opponents on a face-off, it's like a big hug fest sometimes. 
I don't know if they have so many meetings with the NHLPA and all that stuff that goes on, but there's no hate, and I miss that. And I miss that. It frustrates the shit out of me, quite honestly. So here's a guy who's who's pretty pretty upset um, with how close all the players are, and I think this is like I I don't disagree with him. That's a thing, you know. There's so many guys now, and there's all those camps like the BioSteel one, the one in Colorado where Crosby gets all his guys together, and it seems like all the players know at least a couple players on another team that it, it takes the animosity out of the game for the most part, and that's almost why. You know, you see in junior hockey, like, guys hate each other and there's beak in every play and stuff like that. But, yeah, in the NHL, it seems everybody knows each other, so it's taken a little bit of the grit out of the game. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I mean, my blog's up on World Hockey Report. My actual thoughts are up there, but that's so true. I mean, Tortorella says it is. I mean, he's going to call a spade a spade, and that's exactly it. And You know, my biggest comparison there was, like, do you actually think Tom Wilson hates Oscar Sundquist? Or, you know, you think Matheson actually hates Peterson? No, I mean, that, that's just a hit. It's not like they actually hate each other. It's not like that's a fun play to watch. Whereas it's like, I, I, the face-off stuff's ridiculous. You know, everyone's just having a friendly conversation. And it comes right back to what you're saying. You know, all those camps over summer. Heck, guys are even playing like Fortnite with each other at 3 in the morning. Guys on, like, players are playing tomorrow. It's ridiculous. And that's why games are just getting boring now. That's why I bet you, you probably count the number of full hockey games I've sat through. Like, I mean, in like, puck drop to final buzzer maybe on like two hands in like the past four or five years it's just like just boring there's hardly any hitting any well like actual hitting you know there's no scrums after the whistle there's not even rivalries anymore like the battle of alberta is a joke montreal and boston it's not even a rivalry anymore ottawa toronto well i mean one team's good one team's like really bad and shouldn't have a team so that's that's exactly it. And I think Tortorella is right, as you know. And that's probably half the reason why Columbus is losing, because they've never been a gritty team. They've struggled like that. And that's when, you know, those gritty teams come out well in playoffs is because they have that animosity in their games. And it elevates them to the next level, which, yeah, Columbus seems to suck at doing that as well. You can argue that Washington doesn't win the Cup last year without Tom Wilson and Devontae Smith-Pelly. And even, even Ovechkin, too. But if you want to see this hug fest, as John Tortorella uh, calls it, why don't you check out SeatGeek? SeatGeek is an app that makes buying tickets simple. Tickets are given a grade based on value, a 1 to 10 score on each ticket to let you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. View from the seats lets you see where you're going to sit, so not like old Rutherford Rink in Saskatoon RIP where you'd be sitting behind a rust, rust-filled pillar. Uh, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, hit add a promo code, use our promo code WORLDHockeyReport, all caps, no spaces, for $20 off your first order. That's WORLDHockeyReport, all caps, no spaces, for $20 off your first order. Hey, you know what I totally forgot to do when I was, I, you know, I had planned out in my head too, I was going to be like, hey, you know what, shout out to everyone, you know what, according to, you know, the iTunes world, the shout engine world, you know. The thousands of downloads, not a big deal, but uh, yeah, big thanks to everyone for that. Also, SeatGeek is pretty sick if you're looking to catch an NHL game. Let's move on, though. William Nylander, no deal done yet. Man, do you think they're shopping him around? They gotta be, right? I mean, Dubas isn't that stupid. He's gonna wait on this kid. Well, they only have a month left to figure something out before they they lose him for the year, because I think it's December 1st. He's gotta be signed by. It's just it's one of those things where 
you go through NHL rosters and he's the best player on here I'll go through I'll go through some teams. He's probably the best forward on Carolina, probably the best forward on the Rangers. Uh Detroit definitely he's better than anybody there. Uh probably best forward on Ottawa, best forward on Minnesota, screw that team. And he's probably the best forward on the Yotes also. So he's the best player in a lot of other cities, but in Montreal, what's he, number four, five, maybe even six? So it's one of those things, and he's not going to take a sh- a, sh- a hometown discount. Like, who's he helping out the team? And then if the team wants to trade him in a couple of years, they're like, you know what, hey, I know you helped us out, but we want to move you then. Like, it's it's pretty much a one-way street if you're taking a, a hometown discount. And he's not making, I know people are saying, oh, it's Toronto, we got to, like, He'll have so many marketing opportunities. He's not going to make one and a half million dollars extra with marketing opportunities in Toronto. Yeah, I got no clue how any of that stuff works. So I really can't chime in on like, oh, he's going to make this much in endorsements and stuff. Like, just give him a contract. And if you're not going to, trade him. Get something for him. I mean, it's 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 an entire team distraction right now. And honestly, it's an unnecessary distraction. Why? Because you couldn't get something figured out in the summer, which is pathetic. You know, that... That's it's it's not I'm not gonna rip Dubis because he's obviously one of the best GMs, but he dropped the ball on this. I mean that's horrible. I really like Kyle Dubis. I don't I don't really think that it's that they're gonna trade him quite yet, but you're trading from a position of weakness. That's what I think that Dubis is seeing. That he's people are looking at and saying, Oh, we're not gonna give you your best option because you haven't even signed this guy and we know you can't, so we're not gonna give you a good offer. That's kind of the thing that Dubis is probably looking at where He's not trading a guy with term because that's that's how guys, you know, you get a fair return. He's trading for, like, he's trading a guy who's a restricted free agent. So it's a position of weakness if they trade him. Now, what's your thoughts on Nate Schmidt signing a big ticket there while he's suspended for doing drugs? I mean, I get it, like, whatever. It wasn't, like, a huge dosage of drugs or whatever. I don't even know what it, they, I don't think they've actually said what was in his system, but... Yet again, that's a big ticket to sign while you're uh, sitting in the press box. Uh, it said, I think the amount was a pinch of salt in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Yeah, but what what was it like? Was it like a, I mean, it's not like there's a big difference if it's if it's a pinch of fentanyl or if it's a pinch of Adderall or whatever. Yeah, it's a pinch of something that has like 20 syllables, but <laughs> I don't know what it what it means. Like, I mean, he he was in the minors what three yeah three years ago is what is what his page says so. Played really, really well with Washington uh, in his first two full seasons there, and I know that they they weren't happy to lose him. Like over the last last three years, this guy's over a plus fifty. So he was really good for Vegas last year. He's can play at both ends of the ice a little bit. Like he's obviously not a one or a two, but he's a good number three. And if he signed him for that, Toronto's pretty much kissing Jake Gardner goodbye. No kidding. Hey, that was gonna be my next thing. Is to say comparison. Yikes. T.O. could be in some serious trouble. Um, another NHL player that I was thinking about, Tom Wilson. His appeal didn't work. You know what? No one's super surprised, but yet again, he's got like some second appeal, and there's a third. I don't even know. There's so many stupid appeals, but yet again, perfect world. Now that you've seen how many suspensions are getting handed out this season, what would be your perfect number to slap on that Tom Wilson hit? I said 10 at the time, and I'll stick by it. Um, it's already been 10 games, so I don't know 
what he's arguing anymore. Like by the time it gets to the arbitrator and all that, maybe he gets some money back. Not that he's really struggling for anything, but I think that they just have to tough it out for the rest of the time. Like those meetings, like it said that meeting took seven hours. Like how ridiculous is that? I don't get what they're talking about. It's kind of like watch the video, everyone submit a number and we'll go from there. They should just have a team of people and take the average of what they think their games are and, take out the high and the low so if some guy says 20 some guy says 40 or some guy says two like you're taking out those something like that wow it's almost like you're in school or something you're recreating the wheel let's bring in in cole and he's he's in utica right now so let's bring him bring him in probably our best guest so far well you know him and ingram there yeah where you get a lot of angry tweets because of that now not editing that that. not a shame you have to edit that out here he is all right, now joined by 2017 Canucks second round pick Coland, who we had on about 14 months ago in our rookie roundtable days. So maybe he's a recurring guest. Cole, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Just to start off the interview, you're from Shaunavan. Let's hear this whole ridiculous water thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like it was like early 1900s. I'm pretty sure. Um, the Queen came over to Canada and she tested out waters from different places. She wanted to drink while she was in Canada and she chose Shaunavan's water so that's kind of like the the big thing in Shaunavan now. That the queen drinks her water hey? Exactly. <laughs> that's I like why would she pick Shaunavan so like what's what's it about the Shaunavan water like do you notice that it's better? I don't know if I say I notice a lot of differences in a lot of waters. Um, <laughs> Just water. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But when I go to Shaunavan, I definitely uh, have a drink or two out of the tap water. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, going back, you played three full years in Kelowna, but four total because you are with the team for the Mem Cup run in 2015. So was it like being a young guy going onto a team with, like, Dry Settle and Josh Morrissey and stuff like that? Uh, it was... Very different for me, um, going from playing in Saskatoon to hopping on up and being around guys that'll turn into future NHL superstars was, I'd almost show up there and I was almost a fan of our team more than being just like a new guy on the team. It was really cool to watch them play, uh, to play alongside them for a couple games in the regular season and playoffs was really awesome too. Yeah, it's unreal. What was the Memorial Cup like? Like you didn't get to play, but just the whole whole experience and being part of that. It was it was really fun. Uh, Quebec City is a really nice city. Uh, you know, obviously going to the finals was really cool. Uh, I still had a lot of emotions, although I wasn't on the team for very long. Obviously, we lost in overtime in the final, so it was pretty heartbreaking for all of us. And uh, you know, it's an experience I'll obviously never forget, though either. Yeah. So. I don't know if this is a hot take, but is Kelowna the best place to play in the CHL? Uh, I'd agree with you, yes, uh, I think so. Um, you know, the city's unbelievable, obviously, anyone who's ever been there. And, uh, you know, the organization has been uh, successful for, you know, so many years now that it's it's pretty hard not to say that a winning team and probably one of the nicest cities in Canada, you can't can't go wrong without saying they're one of the tops in the CHL. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Just like, like you got drafted there and it's like no offense to some other cities, interior BC and northern Saskatchewan cities, but just when you got drafted there, you're probably stoked, eh? 
Yeah. Um, I, actually, I didn't really know too much about Kelowna. Uh, I knew they were obviously a really good organization. And then I went out there for training camp my first year, and I'm walking out there, and, uh, you know, it's 33 degrees outside, and you're walking to the rink, and then you get out of the rink, and you walk across the street, and you're at the beach, and you're just walking around downtown. It's all unbelievable there. Okay, so, yeah, you got to play, I guess, two full years since late birthday draft. Drafted 33 to Vancouver. So what was, like, the draft experience like, the combine and just meeting with teams and all the questions you get asked by them and then, of course, getting drafted? The combine was super nerve-wracking. Um, <laughs> just going through, I think I had 28, 28 or 29 interviews. So there was, like, three or four teams that didn't talk to me um but like every day i was busy with probably six or seven interviews and then having to worry about going to you know uh do my combine stuff after where i was working out and you know obviously the stuff was an absolute pegger there too so uh it was very very tough but you know it was a pretty cool experience and then once i got to the draft i don't know if i'd say i was a little i don't know laid back compared to the combine where you have to like be on your toes and be ready for anything where the draft you're kind of just waiting for your name to be called which you know obviously going sitting there for the first round was not uh, ideal experience i was pretty uh pretty sad after that one but woke up the next morning and got taken early to a you know a very good organization that's uh, up and coming so i was excited about that just like all the questions at the combine, are they testing your character? Like, are, do you get some ridiculous ones where, like, it just doesn't apply to anything really? Uh, I think lots of them uh, are definitely testing your character. Uh, there's obviously lots of hockey questions, but there's some just about your personal life, and they want to know what kind of person you are, and you know they want to know who they're drafting. Also, I think uh, lots of NHL teams look like uh, what Kelowna looks for is they look for guys that are. Uh, winners and uh, good guys, obviously, too. Yeah, that's fair. So you get drafted, obviously. Would like to go in the first round, but you get to go to a team that probably needs you quicker than the guys drafting late there. What was the first development camp like? Because you get, you get drafted and you're, you're sparked about getting drafted, and then basically a couple days later you're, you're getting put through the ringer. It was very eye-opening. Um, I didn't, you know, I'm meeting all these new faces, and I'm not remembering their names after the first time I meet them. And just being around the, the rank and the organization, uh, it was uh, pretty uh, nerve-wracking, obviously, there, too. Um, it's kind of my first time in a Canucks uniform and being around their rank. And uh, obviously, they watched me all year, but still... Um, you go on the ice and you're just thinking, like, what are they thinking, obviously, too. Yeah, so development camp, like, there's not really any, I guess you're with Patterson and those guys, but you get to main camp and then you're there with the Sedins and Horvat and I guess even Edler's been there so long. Was it pretty overwhelming? Like, you kind of mentioned the being a fan in Kelowna and then you get drafted and you're watching guys who you, you watched growing up or playing with, I guess. Yeah. I think it was the exact same, actually. Uh, so, my first of our main camp, they had like a group of all the young guys was one group, and then the two like pro guys were two other groups, and they had a scrimmage the one day. And uh, one of the guys actually got hurt from one of the older groups, so I got, call- I got called up, I guess, to play in the scrimmage or whatever, and I was, I was sitting beside the Sedins, and then I 
was lining up beside like Sam Gagne, who I'd watched with the Oilers since I was young. He was probably one of my favorite players growing up too. Uh, it was very overwhelming, and you know it was really cool to you know step on the ice with him. Just skilled guy. You probably asked him about his his eight point night back in the day. Hey. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And his uh, backhand toe drag move is one of my favorite. So yeah, just skilled guys. Uh, <laughs> going back to Cologne after your first development camp, really good again. You guys lost in the conference finals. You had eighty-seven points. Um, that was probably a tough to lose there. But the year after you signed your first contract, what was what was the first thing you bought other than a, a flight to Dawson Creek or something like that? <laughs> um. I actually bought the guys in Kelowna. It's like a rule for whoever signs that they have to buy the guys' lunch. So my favorite spot in Kelowna was Cecil's Pierogies, it's called, and I took all the guys out there, and uh, we went for lunch. And then other than that, I haven't really bought anything too big. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to pay the rent out here and get by in Utica right now. So Upstate New York will get yeah. <laughs> just to backtrack a little bit, you... I think one of the last cuts from the World Junior Team, like you put through the summer, put through the Super Series, lit up the Super Series, put through the camp like leading up to the tournament, and then you don't make it. Obviously disappointing, but you didn't really use that as time to sulk. Like you came back and just lit up like your Sask road trip, I think, Hattie against PA and then three apples and a fight against Saskatoon the next night. <laughs> yeah. It was obviously very disappointing for me. Uh, you know, it's always a dream for any young kid that wants to, you know, play hockey in Canada. They want to play for the World Junior Team. And uh, it was my last uh, opportunity to. So it was really sad for that. But I hopped on a plane the next morning and I flew into Saskatoon to meet up with my team. So I flew, I guess, kind of across Canada. And then uh, we drove up to PA that day as a team and you know, it was such a whirlwind of emotions. Uh, I ended up getting there, and I scored a couple early goals in the first period. So, you know, it had been a while since I had a hat trick. So uh, I just continued playing, and I got lucky rebound and had an empty net for my last one. So that was pretty cool. Uh, obviously, I wanted to show uh, Canada what they were missing. Obviously, <laughs> I don't know uh, if they made a wrong decision. Obviously, they won the gold medal. So can't really blame them there. But uh, then the next night, obviously, I put up pretty good numbers again but uh you know the fight actually so i was coming up down on a three on two i remember it exactly i was coming down on a three on two and they had an ap playing for the blades and uh he had like slashed me on my neck from behind when i was like waiting for the late pass or whatever so i turned around and i the guy skated away so i turned around and I, this other little kid was was there and i thought it was him so i started pushing him and then he wanted to fight me so uh, I dropped the mitts. Uh, I don't do it too often, obviously, but uh, I thought I held my ground there. Yeah, no, it was a good. It was a really good fight. Like I think you guys both both got a couple, and yeah. So after that tour, we talked about the contract you you got. Like you got a taste of pro hockey. I think you played six games in Utica after you guys lost in the first round in Kelowna. You guys gave up probably twenty or thirty goals in those four games. But <laughs> was there? You still had eight points. Whatever, not a big deal. Uh, was there a big, big adjustment going just like from playing in the dub against 17, 18 year olds to guys in the A who are like 30? Yeah, uh, it was a lot different. Uh, honestly, uh, up here, uh, there's a, it's a lot more, 
I don't know if I'd say intense, but, uh, you know, every moment is intense here. Back checking as hard as you possibly can and skating as fast as you can up and down the ice. The, the pace is really high. And, you know, obviously there's not a lot of, you know, windows of opportunity to score goals. So you have to take advantage of, uh, of your chances. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to try to do that when I, when I get back in here, but, um, I learned a lot, uh, last year before summer, obviously coming out here and, I think it helped me definitely with my summer training and, you know, knowing what to expect when I come out here. Did this year's training camp in, in Vancouver, development camp, training camp, it feel a little different because, you know, you had the contract and you're like, okay, this is it, I'm here and I'm officially a part of the Canucks, like I'm going to be in the NHL or AHL this year? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit different. Um, I don't think if I handled it honestly the best. Uh, I didn't think I had a very good showing at uh Canucks training camp, they definitely gave me an opportunity. I was playing with playing with Horvat and guys like that in camp and you know, I, I still created a lot, but uh, I thought I could have been better. I obviously wanted to push and, you know, try to push for a spot on the on the big team this year, so uh it was kind of a disappointing camp for me, but uh coming down here uh is definitely obviously good for my development. Uh and just coming down here, you know, knowing the guys already made me a lot more comfortable when I came down to, to Utica. Yeah, that's that's good attitude. You guys have a lot of young guys in Vancouver, and does does it make you feel pretty good when you guys go to the, that Penticton tournament and your top line's you and Jonathan Dolan and then the guy who's going to win the Calder this year, and Elias Pettersson, like, not bad players, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh... It was it was not a bad time for me for sure. Obviously, I had a lot of fun playing with those two. Uh, I'd never played with Euros really before, so it was it was a little bit different. But uh, you know, obviously, the chemistry kind of sank in pretty early. Uh, they're two obviously really skilled guys, and they obviously know what they're doing out there. So it was uh, it was pretty cool, uh, you know, playing with them. And hopefully, it can be a line uh, up in Vancouver one day, maybe. What's Utica been like so far, and have you kind of got the sense that the AHL is more of a, a grinding league where, you know, the points probably, for most guys, aren't really there. You just kind of have to grind your way through it type thing. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that 100%. Uh, obviously, guys are a lot bigger and stronger compared to junior hockey, and uh, this is definitely a grindy league where guys just chip pucks in and chase them down. And, you know, obviously, uh, lots of the goals are garbage goals. There's not really any finesse p- plays out there because it's very rare that you don't have at least two or three guys back when you're coming down on a rush that uh, you have a lot of room to create plays and stuff like that on a rush. Yeah, that's that's what I know. It's like top point guys get, like I guess, like 60 points is kind of the high. Is it is it easier to be in Utica now that the Canucks have built this huge prospect pool through trades and stuff like that, and it seems like most of you are kind of piled in Utica? I know Goddett's been there, and he just got called up, but is it easier knowing that most of your team's pretty young? Yeah, uh, I think it, it helps that, uh, you know, obviously uh, I knew a lot of the guys, and I think it helped for a lot of the other young guys too. Um, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, uh, we're one of the young youngest teams in the A, so uh, it's it's cool uh, skating around and, you know, going against a lot of these older guys and just all these young, uh, you know, a little bit more maybe skilled guys that, uh, you know, uh, it'd be pretty cool uh, if we could all play together. Um, obviously, we play with a lot of different uh, line combinations from night to night, but uh, 
I think uh, once everyone gets settled in here eventually, um, I think we'll be a really good team. Yeah, exactly. Is there any any guys you you've played against this year? I I guess you would have played against Gagne um, that you watched growing up, and they've played probably ten years in the NHL, and they're kind of journeymen at this point. But are there any guys you played against where you're like, wow, that's like I watched this guy for a couple years growing up? Yeah, um, obviously Sam Gagne was one of them for sure. Uh, when we played against Rochester, we were playing against uh, Nathan Gerby too, and uh, oh, little the other guy. night, yeah, the, the other night against Charlotte, uh, Scott Darling was in net, so. I've seen a couple, uh, you know, obviously long-time NHLers down here, and, you know, it's really cool to suit up against all these guys. Yeah, so as a city, what's Utica like? Because you hear not so much the horror stories, but, like, the the places where guys can't leave their house, and it's not the most luxurious city, but you just kind of have to grind it out for a couple years to kind of get where you want to be. Yeah, um... Obviously, the fans and everyone are great around Utica. You walk around and everyone, you know, knows who you are. Uh, the people are really nice here. That's something that I that I found that you don't really have to worry about it being, you know, a little sketchy that way. Um, it kind of sucks. The weather's, you know, not always, uh, you know, sunny and 75 out here. Uh, it's usually raining and, you know, cloudy, which, you know, is a big turnaround from being in Kelowna. But, uh you know, the rink is, is always packed and the fans are always, uh, you know, obviously we just, uh, actually just broke a, the sellout record for sellouts in a row. So obviously the fans are amazing here. Um, you know, it's been, it's been fun so far, actually. Do you guys ever like not drive up to New York, but are there any close like major cities around that guys talk about going to if you have a, you know, a couple of days off or anything? I think uh, last year a couple guys ended up going to New York City. It's I know it's like three and a half hours, four hours away. So um, I know a couple guys went there when uh, they had a couple days off. Other than that, I think Buffalo is like two hours away. So maybe uh, one time the guys go catch a Bills game or something. Are you going to be the one breaking tables outside the stadium? <laughs> yeah, you probably won't see me there. Bills Mafia. Uh, can you can you live on your own? I know you know you had a. All right, Billet family here. Shout out, Rich. And then Ashley and Marsha have raised you, so you haven't really had to live on your own yet. What's what's that been like? It's a big change for me. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, obviously, cooking meals for myself. I was kind of, like, lazy growing up. I'd grow up, and I'd literally go upstairs right when it was time to eat, so I wouldn't really learn much from cooking. But uh, actually, Ashley and Marsha helped me out a de- decent amount this summer, uh, when I'd go home for weekends and stuff like that, they'd uh, help me make meals and make me, like, obviously make lots of the meals for my family. So I learned a trick or two up my sleeve now. <laughs> any any specific dish that you can you can cook, or is it just, I know it's above craft dinner, but it's not quite steak yet? <laughs> Actually, I barbecued steaks last night, no lie. So How'd they turn out? Uh, you know, I went for medium medium rare, and I probably had a medium well, so... Uh, yeah, I was a little off, obviously, but, uh, I'm getting there. My favorite dish probably to make is probably homemade mac and cheese. My mom makes that all the time, and that was my favorite as a kid, so when I get a chance to make that, I'll make that for sure. Uh, it sounds, sounds pretty good. Just to talk about your summer, like we said that you're from Shaunavin, and I know this, but the listeners probably don't. Where do you train in the summer? I know that it's a lot of flying back and forth from Vancouver, skating at the rink, and then being in Saskatoon and then going and skating with with Belfry and stuff like that. So, just, what are your what are your summers like now? 
Yeah, uh, I basically base out of Saskatoon for lots of the summer working out at uh, NLT out there. It, it was an awesome summer for me. Uh, it was my first, you know, kind of permanent one away from home. And then when, obviously when I had development camp or Vancouver wanted me out for a week to, to train, I'd head out there and then I'd uh, head out for obviously other skating uh, opportunities. I'd go for my uh, power skating in Regina with Brent Bobbick and then try to see Daryl Belfry as much as I can, obviously, too, because obviously he, I don't know if lots of guys know this, but he's one of the uh, top uh, skills coach in the NHL. He, he shows guys like Crosby, Kane, Matthews. Uh, he coaches all those guys, so it's awesome to, you know, step on the ice whenever I get a chance with him. Yeah, it sound, sounds like a bit of a grind, but probably worth it given given where you are. Just to wrap up here, who's, like, top five players you ever played against? Like, there's so many guys from that Western Conference, like, in Kelowna, and then even maybe a, a preseason game that you got into. Like, who are kind of the guys you think of where D-Man 4 that you played against, you're like, wow, that was that was pretty cool. Okay, for the WHL, I'd have to go, like... You probably played with a couple of them. Yeah, Leon, Dreisaitl, and Josh Morrissey are obviously up there. I don't know, there's so many good guys in Kelowna, like Rourke Chartier, Nick Merkley, Dylan Dubé. There's so many guys that are, you know, at the NHL level are just pushing to be there that, you know, it's it's hard to not say their names. And then... Like Barzell, is he coming to mind? Yeah, Barzell's... Yeah, up there for sure. I gotta think of this. Who was on Portland the year we went to the finals? Um, Nick Batan, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Those two, Oliver Bjorkstrand scored like 60 goals that year. So he was one of like the best players in the league that year. And obviously Nick Batan too. I can't even say a top five. I'm just naming off players at this point. Yeah, it's a, it seems, it seems like it's a regular person's perspective that there's Cologne in the BC and Portland in the US. And that's just, how it goes like those organizations they've built up so much that it's just that's a given that they're going to have the top guys no matter no matter what it is every year obviously you know portland's been a, a great organization and you know they've won a lot of championships and you know went to a lot of championships even with uh you know teams that they wouldn't expect and you know just the winning atmosphere out there uh takes them a long ways and you know that same goes for Kelowna, obviously too Two more questions. One is I have to bring this up. Who's going to be better, you or your younger brother? <laughs> I'm going to say my younger brother right now. Uh, we'll have to see how he turns out. Obviously, he's still in his first year bantam, but you know he's at a you know he's at a higher level than I was, and you know playing a you know a much better game than I was at that age. So obviously, we'll have to see you know how he transitions through the through the years. But I think he'll be. He'll be one heck of a player, and you know, don't don't knock on either of my other sisters too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I did play by play for them last year, and they're lighting it up. They kind of have that little Lind attitude, will or they'll chop another girl in the back of the legs, or or let them know they're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Kalen Lind, you'll probably see his name top of the WHL Bantam draft next year. To wrap up here, just what's what's the plan for the rest of the year, and and where do you like? Hopefully, maybe get a game in an end of the year. See see where things go. Hey, yeah. Obviously, I've been a guy that's been all about development for all my years. Uh, I came back for my sixteen year old year uh, and played in Saskatoon a second year and made a Triple A. So, 
being out here is definitely good for my development. Uh, being patient is not always a bad thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it'd be awesome to get uh, my first NHL game in this year. That'd be a really good goal for me. And, uh, you know, obviously put up a decent amount of points. And being a really good team out here would in Utica would be awesome, too. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a pretty good plan. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us, Cole. We'll have to check in later in the year. All right, thanks, Adam. All right, thank you. Thanks to Linder for coming on. We'll probably get him back here, you know, once he's settled there. You hate bothering guys when they're in camp, but great interview, great guy. In my opinion, he still should have been on the World Junior Team last year over a couple guys who they took who aren't very good, but they won gold, so whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with him later. Speaking of right wingers and the 2016 entry draft, actually not the 2016 entry draft, he was 2017, but Jesse Pugliarvi, he has sat in the Oilers press box for the last three games, and he has one goal in seven games this year, and we wrote a blog about it the other day, check it out. Uh, this guy, like, there's something there, and... I talked about if there's a light going on at all. Like, I think that there's a light yet to go on. I mean, he's, what is he, 20? He's 20 still, and he doesn't turn 21 till the end of the year. Or, I mean, end of the hockey season in May. And just one of those things. I mean, lit up the world juniors. Everybody was like, is a, is Line A Pugliarvi better? And, of course, Line A had that big world championships at the end of the year. And then Pugliarvi made the Oilers net. The, the next year, and I remember me and you were actually talking to Kelly Buckberger at the, the Blades game once we asked him. He's like, yeah, I don't think he's ready. There's a couple injuries, and sure enough, he had one goal, 28 games. Went down to Bakersfield and did all right, and then he was rewarded last year, but it's kind of on management by being greedy and bringing him up, but it's kind of on him because he's yet to prove that he's an everyday NHL player. You know what might get his feet buzzing a little bit more? Toss a little bit of new energy in his soup. New energy is a new natural energy and focus supplement built around the blueberry. It's a unique patented ingredient combination of blueberries and naturally derived caffeine. New energy provides sustained energy and focus without sugar, calories, carbs, or the jitters usually associated with energy products like that garbage Red Bull, Monster Energy, uh, stupid Tim Hortons coffee. Uh, new Energy is amazing. I mean, you got you to try it out. It's uh, getnewenergy.com. So get N-E-U energy.com. Uh, there's a link on our website. You know what? Go through there. You get free shipping. But you got to go through our website, worldhockeyreport.com. I had some yesterday when I was, I think I had to study or something, but I had some the other day before I went out. Good stuff. Jeannie Bouchard uses it. Same with Nick Kiprios. We will be getting him on the pod. Mark my words. It's going to happen one day. Kipper will join the show. You know what team is hot right now? I, w- I want to kind of introduce introduce a new segment. It's going to be called Who's Hot, Who's Not. We'll go three teams who are, three teams who aren't. Uh, the team who is, though, the Colorado Avalanche. At this point in the podcast, their first line of Nico Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Gabriel Landeskog have 21, 18, and 16 points combined and they are seven three one and one so and in net Semyon varlamov eight games played a 950 save percentage isn't the guy a scumbag though yeah he went to jail for something he's he was wearing like a leather jacket with his gelled back hair and his mugshot i remember 
But here's why you shouldn't buy into the Colorado Avalanche quite yet. We've seen what one-line teams can do, and the Avalanche, here's here's how it goes out. So they have their top line. Then their next three uh, forwards leading scorers are Carl Soderberg, 7 points, 12 games. Alex Kerfoot, 1 goal, 6 points in 12 games. JT Comper, 4 points in 5 games. And then their supposed second or third line center, Tyson Jost, 1 goal, 1 assist in 11 games. So I know it's a cap world in that you're kind of paying your top guys and to load up the line, you know, you just have to have other guys fill in. But a one-line team isn't really going to get it done long-term in a season. Now I'm gonna go with who's not hot, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two teams at you. You might hate me, but because they're both in the Atlantic Division, but the Detroit Red Wings suck, and also the Florida Panthers are. I mean, they're giving them a run for their money for last place. Both of them are two win teams. I mean, the Detroit's have a negative. The Detroit's the Red Wings have a negative eighteen goal differential, and the Panthers are minus seven. That's pathetic. I get it. They're in a tough division and all, but yikes. I mean. Detroit's either got to go full rebuild mode, and for the Panthers, I mean, are you just going to waste away Barkov and Huberto and those guys? Like Ekblad? Oh my goodness. What a waste of talent sitting down in Florida. Yeah, and it's not going to get easier for them because they play in Finland, which is just absolutely ridiculous if you think about it, because like just a mid-season trip to Finland, of all places. And I'll just add another team who's not hot at all, the Los Angeles Kings. Yeah, they're a dumpster fire. Anze Kopitar, he, here's his last three seasons. So 2016-17, he had 12 goals in 76 games. Last year, the Kings made the playoffs, and he had 35 goals in 82 games. And this year, it's look, it looks like he's back to his 2016-17 self because he has a total of four points in 10, 10 games. And there will be a blog coming out. I know I said it'd come out last week, but things happen. Yeah, I think you lied to everyone. I, yeah, I might have. But here is the LA Kings team this year. You have a 35-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk leading your team with eight points in 11 games and is minus five. You have a 28-year-old Drew Doughty on a eight-year deal that begins next year. It's eight points, 11 games, also minus four. Jeff Carter's 33 and has 5 points. Kopitar's 31, has 4. Alec Martinez is 31, has 3. And then Jonathan Quick has an 845 save percentage in 4 games. Yikes. Yeah, that is not what you want from your starter. No, and people expected him to be better, but I guess he's he just hasn't been. And Jack Campbell, who ruined my life, uh, 2010 World Juniors, thank you. He has a 9-12 save percentage, and he's kind of taken over. He's kind of a first-round bust, to be honest. But Now, give me your thoughts on the Leafs. Are they coming back down to uh, reality? They did just beat Winnipeg twice. I think that they, they're they still really good. But, I mean, like this kind of what I said at the start of the show, you know, people enter the season, and they win a couple of games, lose a couple of games. It's like, my team's going to be drafted first, or my team's going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, there's no in-between. but the Leafs like beat Chicago, who's not great. Beat Montreal, who's playing out of their minds. Beat Dallas, who lost to Detroit today. Beat Detroit, who's the worst team in the league. Beat LA, and beat Winnipeg twice. So I mean, some of their wins, like they had a mediocre, like heavy, heavy start to the year, but lost Pittsburgh, lost St. Louis. So 
just don't buy into things too much until I guess mid-November is what I usually say. Totally different. Off the NHL topic, how sick were those Yorkton Terrier Halloween Jays? Those are some fresh sweaters. Well, Jays usually means shoes to some people, but yeah, those were those were sweet. And I mean, the SJHL, like most teams, don't really have the budget to do that. But if it can get that much notice, then then there you go. Wasn't there a time when like over half the SJHL was in debt? Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of the MJHL too. Oh, the MJ's a joke. But don't get me started there. They got like pay to play now, kidding. Oh really? Is it? Yeah, I think it's like five hundred bucks a guy or something like that. Okay, well five hundred's not brutal. Don't even get me started yeah. on that. I mean my Twitter's lit. Every day I got someone new blocking me, chirping me. Also, did you see the hit I just tweeted out from this afternoon? Like, oh my goodness, in a senior trips game. Some SP guy wants to become a hero up and let's let's just go senior trips. We're not going to name names, but it's on my Twitter. I mean, go check it out. But oh my goodness, just a disgusting, brutal hit. Like if the Tom Wilson one's a 20 game suspension in the NHL, this guy could just, I mean, might as well just hang up the skates for two seasons. Like put the Jets away, bud. Yeah, I, I don't know. You get a lot of those. Basically, anybody over the age of, of 25 who's playing senior ashl there is a couple guys on every team who's just if i lay this hit right now i might get a call from a from a minor pro team and then maybe maybe i make it like you know if i run over ryan smith right now then maybe i maybe i get noticed by somebody like just bullshit like that that's the thing is like we were trying to compare it we're like okay like this compared to the sheen hit like the, the i mean the sheen hit doesn't even hold a candle like at least the Sheen hit was somewhat of a hockey play. I get it was late, like Smitty already scored, and you know Sheen maybe left his feet. But this is like just a direct chicken wing bow to the dome, nuts. But yeah, yet again, I mean SPHL heroes come flying down the pipe here. Senior trips action. Okay, um, before we wrap this one up, yet again, thanks to Lynn coming on the pod. I mean, beauty interview there. Uh, Tendy talk. Uh, Mike Smith. Oh my goodness. Give me your rating on him out of 10 right now. It's got to be a 1. Round numbers are for rookie. Okay, uh, 0.8. He let in that first goal to Crosby, like the 9-1 goal, or the first goal, in, which just ended up being a 9-1 game. Crosby's in the basically in the corner, and it goes under the crossbar. Like he, I, like Goals like that drive coaches crazy where a guy's not in a good shooting angle and he beats you over your shoulder when you're six foot four. The Flames, they're in a tough spot. I mean, Smith played so well last year. And then he got hurt, and the Flames season kind of went. And the Flames, I th- I still think they're a good team. They mix and match their lines too much, and their coaches never made the playoffs. Bill Peters still didn't know what he did to get that job. Yeah, we've everything we've said about that guy has been right. Yeah, I mean, outshoot the other team, but don't actually get any scoring chances. Have the puck on your stick the whole game, but don't actually ever do anything with it. Like, I, I don't really know what he did to get the job, but if he keeps getting goaltending like this for Mike Smith, then either his job screwed, Mike Smith's job screwed. Like, I think the thing about the Flames is they have guys knocking on the door who aren't quite ready yet. Like John Gillies, he's been close to the NHL before, but he hasn't really. He hasn't really grasped the opportunity yet. He's a big guy. And then Tyler Parsons was in the coast last year. And this year in 
Stockton in three games, he's allowed 12 goals and has an 831 save percentage. Well, that was a long rant for asking what you would give Smith out of 10. Um, let's keep with this one a little bit shorter. Uh, what do you uh, rate David Riddick? Uh, five. He, he makes some good saves, but he also lets in goals that shouldn't go in. I would just like to mention again that I was the one who introduced uh, Adam to David Riddick. Thanks a lot. Uh, Czech Republic, that's, uh, you know, not a big deal. Yeah, um, he's okay, but he's kind of inconsistent. Oh, yeah. I mean, young European playing in North America. He's not going to be a starter, but yet again, I think he can be a consistent, well, you know, a reliable backup. But, I mean, he's basically going to be playing starter minutes. Smith's kind of a band-aid. He's old. Everyone wants to see he doesn't have the miles on him. He does. It's just happening. Um, the Oilers, are they going to burn out? Like, I mean, how long until Cam Talbot burns out? Because there's no way he can keep up this pace. Like, Koskinen's going to play seven games all year. They're paying Koskinen two and a half million, so I'd hope that he he plays more. Although, he beat Nashville the other day. So, there's that. The thing about Talbot is he played like 70-some games a couple years ago. It was unreal. Played 67 games last year. I still don't know why he played so many, like, He's already played, what is it now, 10 of 11 now? Like, the Oilers had a, a tough schedule to start the year. Like, Boston twice, Pittsburgh, Washington, New Jersey's still a good team. Like, the Oilers at Winnipeg, like, the Oilers, they won't play their a divisional opponent till the middle of November. So I think now's kind of the time for, for Koskinen to get a couple games in. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Well, uh... We might as well wrap it up. You know, that's been we've covered a lot of stuff. Unless you got anything else uh, that's burning on your mind, those U Sports rankings—they're—they're they're a joke. Oh yeah, let's get your thoughts on that because I honestly don't pay attention to any of that. I probably should. You know, it's still like good, exciting hockey and all, but uh, I see you rip them all the time. Give me, give me the, the rundown on that. Okay, so there's the two rankings that come out weekly that I pay attention to in hockey. Uh, first off. The, well, the CHL ones, I mean, I wasn't super mad about them, but the the Victoria Royals lost back-to-back games to the 2-10 and Kelowna Rockets, and they somehow ended up in 7th place still. Like, I I don't really understand that. And then, in the, the U Sports ones are worse, I think. So, last week, U of A was, they were like 5, I don't know, they, they lost 2 or 3 games. Had to win twice in overtime against a below-average Mount Royal team, who's a second-tier team in Calgary. And they moved ahead of the Huskies, who were 5-1 and one at the time. And now, U of A is 5-3, and three, and the Huskies are 7-1. and one. So if they're still ahead of them, I think there's going to be... There might be another tweet. I always thought Mount Royal was an ACAC team. Whoops. Guess I uh, didn't pay enough attention to that. Yeah, okay. It seems like the rankings a joke, but yet again, the CHL rankings is an absolute crock. Like you can't compare these three leagues when they never play each other until like one week at the end of the season. You just can't compare them. I don't care if you just want to go off of records and just go strictly off of records. But yeah, I mean, Victoria losing twice to Kelowna, who's also a dumpster fire, aka like hired one of their players' dads to coach the team. I don't even care who your dad is. That's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, and here's, here's the thing about youth sports also. Uh, don't want to rip the team, but, like, just for example, like, I, I was talking to my buddies about this, like, the Husky, like, Saskatchewan Huskies played the York Lions, beat them 6-1. Like, the Huskies' fourth line would be York's first line. Like, that's 
how much disparity is, but York's like five one and one or something like that. So just like the disparity between the Canada West and like those Ontario leagues, I think is a lot larger because there isn't as like the best player on York. He's from Alberta, but he couldn't make it here. That's the type of thing. Oh man, I totally remember when I was when I was still playing. I was talking to a couple of teams. I want to say it was like Waterloo. And then is it Royal Military College or something? They're in the same division? I have no idea. Yeah, okay, well, whatever. I was still talking to both of them. And I was looking it up. And, like, both of their leading scorers played in, like, LaRange and Battleford. And they, like, led the SJ in scoring. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how one, how do these guys end up in Ontario? And, two, why are they good all of a sudden? And they weren't even good in the SJ. It's just, I mean, it's a little bit of a foreign thing. Since I don't pay attention to college hockey or university hockey up here, so... There's a big disparity. Like you look, the guys on U of S, U of A, they're leading their dub team in scoring. So there's it's just that. But who knows? Maybe you know in that tournament at the end of the year, team can get lucky and, and win. Also, we should definitely, definitely got to push to get Ryan Pronto on the show. UNB stud. That one's definitely got to come before Christmas. We'll uh, we'll get we'll get a hold of him. Yeah. Kids a beauty. Definitely, that'd be a great interview. But yet again, I mean, shout out Cole Lynn for coming on the pod, guys. A beauty. Uh, sea Geek, you need tickets. We'll talk your report. All caps, new energy. Get yourself in shape before Christmas, before you eat all that. I guess for Americans, they're coming up on Thanksgiving, eh? So uh, maybe hit the gym a couple of yeah. times before Thanksgiving to all you beauties down in the States. Oh, let's get out of here. Oh, also, I'm sure when this episode's dropping, the Boston Red Sox will be World Series champs. So congrats to that loser, boring sport of baseball. There you go. Peace.